Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. How many times have you finished a job and you felt like you had nothing left in the tank? You gave it everything that you had 24-7, thinking to yourself, ah, I'll just start taking care of myself when the next hiatus comes, only to be cursed by the fact that you're good at what you do and that hiatus never appears. You repeat the cycle for months, years, or even decades, wondering where all the time went. When you imagine a high-profile, award-winning editor like Michelle Tesoro, well, you would just imagine that burnout isn't a problem. That's just for people that are struggling to make it, right? Given her track record, having worked on shows such as House of Cards, Godless, On the Basis of Sex, When They See Us, and most recently The Queen's Gambit, Michelle clearly has it all figured out, right? As you'll hear today in part two of my conversation with Michelle, just like us, she too often finds her tank completely empty at the end of a project. And in part two of our conversation, we specifically examine the question of what is leaving her so drained. Michelle is incredibly open, honest, and brave to share her challenges maintaining such a demanding career while also balancing it with her friends and her family, and she even at one point allows me to put her on the hot seat to really dig into what is driving her to still work so hard even at this level of her career. And spoiler alert, even she fears missing out on the next gig. One key takeaway from this interview that I hope everyone understands is that greater success does not make your career or your lifestyle decisions any easier, and in fact, it becomes the opposite. It becomes harder to say no, and the fear of missing out never goes away. By the way, P.S., if you did miss part one, you don't need to listen to it first to understand this conversation. However, I do highly recommend that you listen to part one at some point if you're interested in hearing Michelle talk about her career path and what has driven her to this level of success. All right, without further ado, part two of my conversation with ace editor Michelle Tesoro. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know what the ultimate top of the ladder is for you, but you're you're doing pretty well on it so far. Yeah, you know, it's funny to talk about that because it's there's varying degrees of what people define as as their success, right? And I think that I don't know what my tippy top was. Maybe it was editing like amazing Academy Award winning movies or whatever. And maybe that still is, but but it's sort of evened out kind of dived down in the last couple of years only because I realized sometimes you don't have control over certain events and certain projects that come to you. And also sometimes the sacrifices that people have made who are in those positions, you may not want to make that in your life. So, you know, when you define success, it's like, well, is it a career that you you know, I guess for me, I was just thinking, I'm pretty happy with the content that I'm able to edit. And I like the people I work with. I've now realized that is really important. I don't want to work with assholes anymore. And I also want to have a happy home life. You know, I want to have these other things and I want to be healthy. So what is that balance? And I think you have to say, well, since I don't have control over what that tippy top actually is. And maybe I just need to recognize this as being what, what I should be grateful for and feel like this is a tippy top. And then I don't have to worry about getting to the tippy top because what is that going to get me anyway? I think this happened to me because, you know, a, a friend of mine passed away in 2014, really close friend. And it, I, it was in the middle of, you know, I just, was trying to remember all the times that I didn't spend with them. And I realized that, well, it was because I was working my ass off and I was really in the middle of it. And not that he would say, oh, you should have done this or that, but you do recognize that, you know, not just your time on this earth is limited, but other people's and your time with them. So is it worth the tippy top if you never see these people who, if they go, you're going to regret that. You would think you know? that I had given you a word for word script of this podcast <laughs> interview, because that is what I call the perfect segue. This is exactly <laughs> where I wanted to go with the heart of this interview. And the reason that I consider this the perfect segue is that the real heart of this conversation is the life in addition to the job. There's no doubt in my mind, and you and I haven't talked about this at all yet, but given the body of work that you've worked on, and especially given you've done more than one series where it's very unusual, where you're the only editor, that you've probably had to put in some really, really long hours, and you've talked about some of the possible regrets that you've had of maybe working too much and realizing that maybe this is the top of the ladder for me. Maybe I don't want to get to the top tippy tippy top and win the Oscar because of the sacrifices that are going to come along the way. And this is going to bring me to telling a kind of an embarrassing story that you've never heard before, but I don't remember exactly <laughs> when it was. I think you alluded to it was maybe in uh, 2019. I was either in the middle of finishing up house of cards or I had just seen on the basis of sex. I'm not sure which one it was, but I was very well aware of you and done some research on you. And then I happened to look at my email list one day and I'm like, oh, my God, Michelle Tesoro reads my newsletter. Like it was just it's like I blushed and I was like, oh, my God, I was so embarrassed. It was like I had been passed a note in study hall that you liked me. I was like, oh, my God. So what I want to talk about is why. 
why did you subscribe to my newsletter and what brought you to me? Because there was a very specific episode and story that resonated with you. There was a newsletter that came before that specific story, which we'll get to, about how you can, I I think it was about focus. You had something about focus. I kind of just jived with some of the things that were on your blog, like uh, deep, deep work and kind of doing your work and trying to maximize your day and your time and like physically taking care of yourself. And then I think I just sort of started listening to the podcast and I can't remember, I think the Roger Barton one. Yeah. That, that one was the first one that I listened to, you know, I didn't know what it was going to be about really, but because I was in New York at the time, I was doing a lot of podcasting and I had, gotten an apartment in Chelsea. So I had about a two and a half mile walk, which was about an hour. Perfect. Perfect for podcast. And I was listening to it and he was, you know, talking about his life and talking about all the hours and the hours away from his family and all this stuff. And of course he talked about how he was able to use this other, well, it was the thing about Evercast, right? So he talked about Evercast and I was like, oh, let's see what this is. Because, you know, here I am in New York because we're doing post in New York because Scott lives in New York, but production is actually in Berlin and they've been in Berlin for weeks now. And geez, I left home and I'm in New York and why am I here? I'm making great money, obviously, you know, I'm, it's a distant hire. It's like I was just banking all that money we're trying to save. In my mind, I actually knew because I had done this with him before that I knew that I was going to be, my tank was going to be empty and I wanted to take the fourth quarter off. So I was banking everything that I could so that, so I could force myself not to take a project. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe he'd be interested in working this way. And maybe I could buy some time where I could stay home and work and not have to move you know, for so long, because, you know, on Godless, I did 13 months in New York and Queens Gambit, it was a little less than a year. And, and we did it. And of course, you know, Scott actually fell in love with this idea of doing it, because of course, he had his own thing. Oh, can, do you think I could do this from Connecticut? Can I do this from, from Martha's Vineyard, you know? And like, I, I you know, and don't get me wrong, we love each other's company, for sure. But all of a sudden, you know, our world's opened up to, oh, you know, we can kind of feed our, you know, introverted selves that don't really, that doesn't really like going places and, but still do the thing that, you know, we, we want to do. But yeah, it, I think I just got to that point where I'm like, I need balance because I was engaged. I was still trying to sort of learn how to balance having somebody else in my life. And I no longer could really make decisions without talking to somebody else because it affects him now. So, and actually, in fact, having this ability to just say, yeah, I'll go to New York for a year. I don't, you know, nothing's going on for me here. I'll go there. I'll do godless. I can't really do that anymore. Although because Brandon also works on location, it's a little easier to do it because you do it too. So, you know, we've made it work, but yeah, I mean, it's, it started to sort of get to me, um, a little bit 
Although I really enjoy working with Scott, so it's not that hard of a sacrifice. But at the same time, though, what everybody sees are the pictures of you in the articles and on Cinema Editor Magazine and Queen's Gambit is everywhere. Oh, my God, I so want that. I so want that. But right. nobody really hears about the year-long relocation city that you don't really need to be in. And what I really want to hone in on is this idea that I know at the end of this, my tank is going to be empty. What right. gets you to that point where at the end of a project like that, there is nothing left in the gas tank? I mean, how, how does it happen or is it is it more... What do, what do you mean? Well, you what, are, what are the factors for you that you think lead to it? Because for some, they can't even get to the finish line. For others, they'll just push and push and push and push and push and get to the end. And it's super long hours, crazy long creative sessions. But then for others, it's a lot more of a, a paced out marathon than it is a constant sprint. And I think you had mentioned something. Uh, I don't remember which interview that it was, but it's similar to something that I've always said is a trap we fall into. It's this mindset of, oh, you know what? I'm going to get healthy again when the next hiatus comes <laughs> yes well yeah and unfortunately that happens you know it's like that's when people decide they're going to see their family and see their friends and you know you kind of you kind of go underwater for for the period of time that you're on on a show I mean even by the time I got on Queen's Gambit I already felt like I I wasn't that I was running on fumes in fact because I hadn't really taken a break prior to that. And what scared me about it was I knew that I knew what it was going to ask of me because I had done it before with him. But I think the thing is, is when I'm on that, when I'm working with Scott, it's a little different because I have, you know, especially when it's just me, I have a little bit more creative control. He allows me to manage my own time. I'm not managed. I hate being managed. Here, yes. here, by the way, yes. like you, you want to irritate me, try and manage my time. No, yeah, thank don't, you. Yeah. Don't tell me when to do this and when to, I know exactly what we all need to do. And he understands me in that. Well, he called me, I'm, I'm a born department head. Is what he said <laughs> about me. You know, so there's that freedom that now there's not, even though it seems like it's more work, it's less stress because I'm allowed to be who I am in many different ways. So it feels less stressful. And plus I enjoy, I enjoy everything that he writes. I enjoy working with him and the projects that we do together. So then that's another level where it's a little bit better. So I can do the long run, but I, I kind of just knew from being away from home was going to take a toll on me. Being away from Brandon was going to always takes a toll. Although we seem to manage, you know, we do the every month we try to see each other or travel to see each other, should say. But I also just think physically, like it's also, you know, you hold all the stress in. So you're ultimately going to do that. Yeah, I just, I think mentally I was, I I just knew I was going it, to, it, it was going to be hard for me because I, I had already not taken a lot of time off because before that I did Ballers, prior to that I, I did When They See Us. And then prior to that, I think I took like two months or three months and then I was doing on the basis of sex. And for some reason, I felt like I hadn't taken the time. I don't know. I don't know what it is. This is something I'm still trying to figure out, actually, because I always feel tired. And, you know, my my best friend, Sarah, said the same thing we were talking about. You know, I just caught up with her. She's not in the business at all. And I think I had mentioned to her months ago. Yeah, I, I really want to take a break. 
And we're, I was telling her about whatever next project I'm doing. And she goes, oh, so you're, you're really not taking a break, are you? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> she really knows. I mean, and I don't know what it is. I just think, you know, some, again, it's the no thing. <laughs> it it all comes back to no. that. That's uh, right. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're going to invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the topo mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the topo mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. So let, let me ask you this. What I'd love to do is dig a little bit deeper. Probably no surprise there. But yeah. what I'm really interested in is if there were one area, looking at the way that you manage your day, your week, your habits, if we could get you out of the mindset of, oh, I'm going to take care of all that when the next hiatus comes. But as soon as the hiatus comes, I say yes to the next thing and I fill the space and there's no longer any hiatus. Right. I'm going to do something that's called putting somebody on the hot seat. You ever heard of that concept before? Oh, gosh. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> I've uh, I've been releasing some of these sessions. I call it Hot Seat Fridays um, to give people a glimpse into the process of when a student comes and they say, I've got this thing that I can't figure out. And as soon as you said, I can't put my finger on what it is. I'm like, ooh, this could be a good opportunity to, to figure this out. Given how talented you are and how in demand you are, what are the odds that the time is going to come when you have a long gap of several months where you get to recover, focus on your health, and nobody's going to bring a project to you that's almost impossible to say no to? What are the odds of that? They're very, very, well, they're either higher or low. Um, I, the odds of somebody bringing a project to me and I'm on, say, a sabbatical. They're, they're always high because every time I try to take a break, it's it's hard to. Yes. And so my point is the odds are extremely low 
that Learn. you're going to have a several month hiatus where you don't get an amazing offer that you have to say yes to. Right. Right. Correct. So that the chances Correct. of that are slim because you're really, really good at what you do and you're now in high demand. And especially after the Queen's Gambit, I would imagine you get offers probably, if not on a daily, at least a weekly basis. Oh, we've got to have the Queen's Gambit editor. We're doing another show about chess. Got to have the Queen's Gambit editor. I would imagine that you have a lot of people reaching out to see if you're available. So if we're talking about chess rather than checkers, let's say that we want to play chess with the way that you manage your lifestyle as a very highly successful in-demand editor. We have to start with mindset. Hmm. And if the mindset is, I'll figure this out and I'll start to see the family and the friends in the next hiatus that realistically is probably not going to come for you for a long time. Mm -hmm. If we look at the way that you're pacing out your time and your energy now, what are a couple of things off the top of your mind that come that uh, kind of come to you like, oh, this is an area that I struggle with? In terms of pacing out my time? In terms of anything. If we're talking about any major repeated behavior or habit that's leading to this pattern of I finished the project and my tank is on empty and I need the recovery time that I never give myself. What, what components might lead to that? And you don't need to get super personal. But at the right. same time, I have a, a feeling you're not the only person that deals with these struggles, especially right. at the level that you're at right now. Right. Well, I think I, it's a saying no. It's maybe it's being afraid. It's like the FOMO thing, fear of missing out on something cool, fear of never getting that call again. You know, I think we all feel that way because it's, you know, I've seen it happen to people. And it makes me feel like I can't get, I have to maybe think that the Queen's Gambit or such has, has never happened because the light goes out like that. So there is a little bit of fear about that. Yeah, it's sort of the taking care of myself, I guess. All right. So now, now we're getting somewhere where the, the, because there's this FOMO, and I think it's really important for people to hear somebody at your level that still mm -hmm. has the mindset, I might never get another phone call again. I am yeah. never going to work in this town and nobody wants to work with me. Because from if somebody that's a, a lot lower on the ladder or a lot younger, they're going to think, well, that's absurd. I feel that way. Right. But there's no way that somebody like Michelle could feel that way. And guess what? Sure. We all have that fear. This is going to be the last show and then that's it. They're all going to find right. out I'm a fraud and I have no idea what I'm actually doing. I just right. pretend to know how to do this stuff and they're going to figure me out. So if we know that you're going to have a lot of amazing opportunities that are going to come up, some of them might be once in a generation or once in a career chance, right? I think a lot of the shows you've done are really, really great shows, but the Queen's Gambit is something really special and unique, and there's not a lot of those. Had you said no to that for the sake of exercising or seeing more friends or family, mm -hmm. I'm assuming you would agree you would look back and see the finished product and say, how, in the, how could I have said no to that? Like, I can't believe I did that and I missed this opportunity because what a unique career opportunity. Agreed? Sure. Hindsight's so, always twenty twenty. <laughs> hindsight's always twenty twenty. So if we know that at least right now that the odds of having a long hiatus and overcoming the FOMO of missing a really great opportunity is slim, hmm. then you alluded to, well, maybe it's some of the lifestyle choices or lifestyle struggles of working on these big shows over a long period of time. So getting a little bit deeper into those, what are one or two of the lifestyle struggles off the top of your head that you think are leading to this empty tank by the end of the show? Hmm. I mean, I think that you kind of can't get around the amount of time you need 
you know, to get through the day to days of it, you know, like the, the dailies doing the cut, satisfying whatever puzzle solving problem you have in your head and you got to work through it. And when you're done, you're done. And that's not done in an hour. That's done when you're done. So I think there's a mode during when I'm doing this, if I'm not keeping up, I mean, it's a little bit easier when I'm doing dailies, which I think I, I was better at this, this last time around in terms of a healthy diet, sleep, doing the yoga routine. And then at some point when things are a little bit more crazy, I, I, those things start to fall by the wayside, you know? So if I don't have all the things, I used to call them my ists, you know, the chiropractor, therapist, acupuncturist, massage therapist, you know, that basically fix the broken body mm -hmm. over the weekend in order to restore for the coming week. It gets hard. And I think I was trying to figure out a way because I wasn't home getting those things that I know were at home. Like, how do I get them where, where I am? So you kind of have to take these rest or, you know, I think I, it, it's always like a process for me to figure out how I'm going to restore during a project, you know, constantly restoring. So th that is something that I kind of, that I struggle with. I don't know what else. <laughs> well, I think, I think you've hit upon one that's important Yeah. and I'm going to argue, maybe not the opposite point, but I'm going to maybe give you a slightly different perspective. Given the, the breadth of your 20 plus year career and knowing your work ethic, is there a world in which you believe realistically you can work harder than you already do? I don't think I could do that. I don't think right that now. you could either. From what I'm hearing, no. I don't think that you could work harder so you could just get more done and power through. Right. But what if instead of thinking, well, it just takes as much time as it takes to get the job done. That's really what kills me is that I got to get through the dailies. I got to cut the scenes. I got to think of the ideas and it just takes as long as it takes. Sure. That's the way that I used to work as well. Essentially, I was editing 24 seven. I'm sure you've had the, the same uh, scenario where you're in your sleep and you're editing in your sleep. Absolutely. You're putting the scenes together. You see the timeline. It's just, you're playing Tetris all night long in your sleep. So your brain never shuts off. But what if you were to compress the time that you're allowed to be in that mindset where you're burning all of that creative energy. Um, one of the one of the biggest revelations that I had that really started this whole movement of me learning how to work smarter, not harder, is that our brain is roughly 3% of our body weight, but it consumes 20% of our calories. And I was like, that's why I feel like I get hit by a Mack truck at the end of the day. Because one of the sure. things that everybody says is, I don't understand why I feel like this. I just sit all day long. It's not like I'm doing anything, but it's because our brains are yeah, constantly absolutely. going. And the big change for me was when I realized that if I actually allow myself less time and I give myself limits, I get more done in that time. And mm -hmm. the, the big thing for me was realizing that if I can become a master of this tool, just like I am with Avid, this would change the game. And that tool was my calendar. Once I learned how to better manage my calendar and compress the amount of time I allowed myself to be creative, there were less distractions, there were less random breaks, there was less procrastination. But I also found that I can pace myself more like a marathon runner. So give me a picture of a general day for you. 
Is it a, a 10 hour day, a 12 hour day, a 16 hour day? Is it in front of the computer the whole time? Are there breaks? Like what's a day in the life of Michelle while she's editing one of these huge tentpole TV shows or movies? I mean, I think uh, it's usually a 10, 10 to 12, depending upon how, how much came in. And generally how I like to structure the day when I'm in dailies, let's just say, for example, um, is I like to do, and I guess this goes for when I'm out of dailies too. So I like to do the more complicated cutting in the morning when I'm fresh. And then I generally watch, do my selects and watch dailies in the afternoon after lunch. So I know that my blood sugar is probably less and uh, I'm probably a little tired after the morning. So, you know, I generally get up and if I'm in New York, I'm doing the walk. So to me, like that's, you know, I get a little exercise. I get there and I get right into whatever the hardest thing or whatever I think is the hardest thing. And do it first thing. And then I get into the more kind of watching dailies a little later. And then maybe after that, I may get into trying to cut something for the first time or do, doing some easier things because by the end of the day, I'm, I'm tired, right? And then I go home. So, and then I totally veg out in front of passive TV, like 90 Day Fiance or something. Okay, I don't, I don't think for HGTV. You, you do something similar to me, which is, uh, I call them my palate cleansers. I need to watch <laughs> something that's the polar opposite of what I'm working on. So if I'm yeah. working on a, a comedy action drama, I need to watch the, the polar opposite and I'll change and choose whatever that show is to be as different pacing, music, character, performance. It's got to be completely different from whatever I'm working on at the time just to cleanse right. the palate. But right. let's think about between all the time that you're working and the time that you're vegging out in front of the TV, how much are you passively or actively looking at a screen in your waking hours? Oh, gosh. Almost, almost all of them. Pretty yeah, much every say. minute that you are awake and conscious, you're staring yes. at a screen. Yes, during that time, I've got one, two, three, four of them in front of me now. As as any good editor would, <laughs> right? I've got four here as well. I'm right there with you. If we look at the pattern that you have throughout the day, from the moment that you finish your walk, you plopped yourself in front of the computer and you said, what's the hardest thing I have to work on? I'm going to do it while I'm fresh. From that moment until you leave the cutting room and then you go back to being in front of another screen, how much of that time is spent away from the computer? including breaks where I go and I chat up the assistant or my post supervisor or somebody. Well, I got the two hours of the walking right before getting there and coming back showering. That's important. I don't know, really maybe about three to four hours. So that's not, not too bad not looking, but if, if we're looking at the time you sit down to start doing the editing to the time you leave the, the edit suite, mm -hmm. Are you one that just gets into it for hours at a time and the world disappears and you don't talk to anybody and I forget that I have colleagues and I forget to eat lunch and I don't go to the bathroom and oh, I don't no, drink no. water? Or no, are you no. getting up and moving around? I'm getting up and moving around. We have a very leisurely lunch. You know, on, on the Queen's Gambit, what was fun about it is, I mean, the assistants were awesome. So like, you know, when they, and I had two of them. So when they did the dailies, the dailies, prep was was already done so basically we could have lunch and then after dailies we would or after lunch we would watch the daily sequences together so that felt it was social so it wasn't me by myself 
And I didn't have to sit in my chair because at the time I was in this big room and I had bought, I bought a projector. So I would sit in one of the other chairs in, in the room. Like, uh, we had like the you know, armchairs, two armchairs and a couch were in there. So I would sit in one of the armchairs. So not at the desk. And I would just look at the projector while one of the assistants was marking selects, um, on the Avid. So it gave me a different perspective. So that was a little bit more fun, you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, then I, I'm sure there was maybe two, twice during the day where I would go in and talk to Mick and chat him up and talk about dogs or whatever we were talking about at the time. And I did that a lot. I would get up. Okay. I had to chat somebody up, go somewhere. Yeah. So there, there is a lot of up and down. And I think, you know, when I, and I also, I guess I didn't mention like when I get up before I would go to walk, I would do like yoga in the morning or something. I, I did have a good practice of 30 minutes of something before I would be for work. So, so you're doing 30 minutes, of, 30 minutes of yoga, two hours of walking, you're getting up and yeah. moving around all day long. You're taking a leisurely lunch. So it seems to me that that can't be what's leading to the empty tank at the end of the show. Cause that, those are all the things that I would prescribe and say, you're, you're doing pretty well. No, so what, I mean, what else can we tap into? Cause that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I really tried to maximize it. Well, I shouldn't say max. I, I really tried to pace out my time because, you know, I, I can't just sit there and do it. And I also know that when I'm not actually actively working, that's when I can solve some problems, <laughs> like in the shower or, you know, when I wake up and I'm like, oh, there's that thing. I could do this or whatever. So, you know, I don't want to be working all the time. But And I love that um, you point that out, by the way, because so many people with uh, our culture fear that if I'm not at my computer, I'm not earning my paycheck. And I had this conversation with Kevin Tent recently, who's now the uh, newly anointed president of ACE. And he right. talked about how he gets his best ideas in the shower or going yeah. uh, for a run or riding his bike, right? And he even talks about, oh my God, he takes naps. Like yeah. the, the horror, how dare you, right? But ultimately right. we're paid to generate ideas. We're not paid to right. punch a clock. We're paid to generate ideas and solve problems. And mm -hmm. I find the less I'm in front of my computer, the better I am at solving problems. But when I'm at the computer, I am just getting through that stuff as quickly and effectively as possible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've thought this and, you know, now I'm going to put myself in a pickle because it'll make it hard for me to say no to certain things. But the idea of a sabbatical is really very, is really something I want to do. I don't know if financially I was, I'm prepared to do that right now because we have certain goals, my husband and I, um, for this year, but it is something that, that I think I need to make more important because the thing that I, you know, it's funny when you do these, these interviews, like sometimes they ask you, so, you know, what shows are you watching? It's like, who has time to watch other shows? <laughs> I'm watching this show that I'm working on right now. Like I watch it like 12 hours a day. The last thing I want to do is like watch another show. That's like, you know, that's like mine. I mean, you know, we, we talked about, this. we, we want to cleanse the palate a little bit, but like, I mean, there, there used to be times where I'd come, I'd come home and I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn on TV at all. It would just, it might be sports. That's the other thing I like to watch is tennis or something like that. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I feel like I've sort of lost the things that maybe 
were there in the beginning in terms of, you know, like I used to watch like director's stuff. Like I would, you know, watch Sidney Lumet's movies in order of, of when he made them or something like that. And I just haven't done that really since film school. So I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could read a, you know, a book every three days. I'm so jealous of my mother. I keep buying my mother books and she's, she's 80. She turned 80 in, in September. She gets through these books. Like every, every other day she's like, all right, I need another book. You know, I'm like, damn, I got to get you another one. But it's like, I'm kind of jealous of that. And I know that doing something like that, A, would give me a break from the screen. It would probably be better for my neck right now. I don't know if you notice, I'm like doing this a lot because like it's super tight, but I could do something else with my body and my mind and I could be like kind of filling it up. I think it's like, it's more like filling it up with other influences so that when I go back into the trenches, (laughs) that is, you know, what we do, it's, there's other ideas and they're not informed by TV. And they're, I mean, maybe I, I love watching movies. So I want to, you know, I think recently I bought one of those tickets to the Sundance Film Festival. And that's, a, and I love watching that because there's all these different kinds of films that are, you're not seeing on Netflix or Amazon or what, you know, whatever. So it's just sort of different ideas of how people do things. And I, I want to kind of have that joy again. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. All right, now, now we're really digging in. Well, we've identified, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the reason you feel empty at the end of a project is because you're sitting at the computer for too long of hours and you're not taking care of yourself and you never exercise. It seems to me that you have the lifestyle habits of a healthy editor pretty wired. It seems to me that you've just been doing it so consistently for so long that there are a lot of other parts of you that are not being nourished because you're so busy working on the next show. So let me, right. let me posit a question, talking about this idea of very specific goals. Let me posit this question that you can ask. 
that might help? What if when the next opportunity comes, let's hypothetically assume that you've just begun your next hiatus. You're like two weeks into it at the most. You're still kind of, it's what uh, Walter Mertz and I called the hiatus flu, where it's like you're seasick, like the first week or two, you're like, what is real life like again? Like, ooh, the sun. Yeah. Like, you, we, we all kind of <laughs> go through that period of massive decompression. It's almost, it right. really just feels like the flu. So let's assume you're just getting over that and you see all this possibility and bam, the phone rings. And it's another amazing opportunity and you're worried about missing out. There's this FOMO. What if we flip okay. the script? And instead of saying no to the job, you're saying yes to the book reading and catching up on all of the movies and all of the relationships that you're going to rekindle. If you reframe it that way, right. could you create a goal towards, I'm going to make this sabbatical rock solid. This is going to be surrounded by concrete walls on my calendar, knowing all of the things I get to say yes to at the expense of, quote unquote, another credit or another job. Right. You know, it's like, I know I need to do this. And yet there's this thing that's like, uh, I've already told this person, I've already met with this person. Uh, but ha have you committed, yeah. signed the dotted line and said, yes, I'm absolutely no, showing absolutely up? absolutely not. I have not. I don't even. I don't even have offers. On the, well, actually, I am. I have signed the dotted line on on the immediate thing, but the immediate thing is only really is a two month, two monther. So it's not. It's not a, a lot because that's what I've been doing since Queen's Gambit. I've just been signing on to these little things that are short commitments because I am not ready to commit. So literally, since the Queen's Gambit has ended. I have not been able to commit to like a long project at all. I, it's not what I want to do. But there is this idea because I even know that Scott wants to do something else next year, this time, April. You know, even saying, okay, I'll do this thing that I've already signed on the dotted line. And even if I do that and then I don't do anything after that. Because I still don't have anything lined up after that. So there's still this opportunity. Like I've been, I'm basically giving myself this opportunity to do the thing I actually want to do. But it's like, I'm not ready to jump in the water yet. And that's fine. You don't need to be ready. But are you getting a little bit more clarity around this idea that I think in my gut, my gut already knows the answer because my gut does not want to commit to anything more than two months. My gut right. knows I really need to take a longer break. And it sounds to me, and it seems like it'd be pretty nuts to say no to Scott Frank right now. Right, sure. Given everything that's going on, given what just happened with the Queen's Gambit and where he's going next, I wouldn't advise you to say no. I prefer to stay home and read books for the next nine months. Right, Probably sure. not the best career choice. But if you know that's already there and you know that's going to happen and there's a date associated with it, Mm -hmm. Is there a world where you can just rearrange some of your plans, whether it's financially or otherwise, to put yourself in the position where this is the time that you get that true sabbatical? It's possible. Mm, I'll have to think about that. All right. I'm, I'm going to throw in one more question, and then we're going to wrap okay. it up because this has gone massively longer than we thought it would. <laughs> Sorry. But no, don't apologize at all. Are you kidding? I'm having so much fun. I could go for another hour. I love this. Uh, but I'm going to ask one more question. It's an exercise that, uh, that I run people through. It's a mental exercise. Okay. I want you to imagine that you get to jump in a time machine and you get to meet with yourself on morning one of the ne this next show. So I think you said it was April of next year that you would start this next show with Scott. 
Yeah. And I'm assuming it's going to be similar situation where it's episodic, bunch of episodes. You're the person. Actually, we don't know. Oh, you don't know for sure, but it's going to be probably another one of these totally immersive big projects, right? And I know you probably can't give anything away. I wouldn't expect you to, but just in general, we're going to assume at the very least, it's another Queen's Gambit, potentially even bigger in scope and more responsibility, potentially. Who do you want Michelle to be the first morning she sits in the chair? Because you specifically said, Mm -hmm. I don't even feel like I was recovered when I started the Queen's Gambit. Is that a pattern you want to repeat or do you want to show up to this next show on day one saying, oh, my God, am I ready to cut again? I am so refreshed and rejuvenated and I just ingested all this new knowledge from these films and these books and all these experiences that I've had during the sabbatical. I'm going to kick the crap out of this versus, oh, God, why did I just take that job? I'm exhausted. I've had like two weeks off and now I got to do this again for another year? Like, Which Michelle do you want to be on morning one? Michelle A. (laughs) Knowing that that's what you could be missing out on, is that fear greater than the fear of filling the gap? This is true. Mm. Yeah, that is probably what I need. You know, it's hard. I mean, I know it's easy. And if it were just me, maybe it would be different. But I, yeah, well... Maybe it can be talked about with the spouse. I don't know any of the circumstances in your life. I can't (laughs) see your bank accounts. I'm going to make no judgments about whether or not you should be or you have to be doing this. But I think there's a part of your gut that's saying this might be the time. And maybe I at least need to have a few discussions and do some problem solving, as you do as a storyteller, to see maybe this is the time to make it happen. Because it certainly doesn't sound like it's going to happen next year. That is true. That's true. So um, they, they, we, we don't call it the hot seat for nothing. <laughs> oh, Zach, I feel like I've gotten one of those, you know, energy sessions. I forgot what they call it. It's, it's like Reiki. Oh, they, right. Where they really get into you and you're like going, you're like screaming or something. But it's true. It's just one of these things that, you know, deep inside, that's what you're what I think about. And a lot of people think about these things because at some point, if you don't choose to do something about it, it will do it for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have a sabbatical. The question is, is it going to be on your terms? Right. Exactly. So on that lighthearted note, (laughs) I would just like to tell you what an immense (laughs) pleasure this evening has been for me. I'm going to be brutally honest. I hate doing podcasts at night. Nights are my, <laughs> that's my time. I recover. Like I started my right. morning at seven o'clock this morning, full day of editing. And then I'm like, right. oh God, I got to get on the microphone with somebody. My God, this was so much fun. I'm so glad that we were able to, to make this happen. I have so much respect yeah. for the work that you do, how you do it. Um, all of the information and knowledge and inspiration that you're putting out into the world and all the the podcasts and the articles and everything else that you're doing. And I really appreciate how brutally honest you're willing to be in our conversation tonight. So oh, well, I, I can't you. thank you enough. I mean, thank you for making it an experience for me instead of this thing of, okay, what, what am I going to say about the show? What am I going to say about this or, or that? But, you know, this is very important. I mean, I feel like I've had a conversation, like a real conversation about like real things. 
you know? Well, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad uh, that you feel that way. And uh, that was what I promised in the beginning. And I'm glad that I was able yes. to deliver that. Uh, my hope is that by the end of a podcast interview, if I don't know somebody personally, I feel like we could be friends by the time we're done talking. I certainly feel that way tonight. So yes, yes. this stupid pandemic is over and we can actually see each other in person at some event again. It would be a pleasure to actually meet like real human beings. Oh, yes, I think definitely. And I'm sure I mean, we'll we'll keep in touch. I mean, I, you know, you have my email. I do indeed. Uh, we, so before already, we go, yes. yes. Uh, one last thing for anybody that's been listening to this, and I'm going to assume it's going to be a, a lot of people, they're going to say, man, Michelle really inspired me. I want to learn more about her. I want to follow her. Maybe I want to connect with her. What's the best way for people to find you? Is it social media? Is it email? Is it LinkedIn? Like, where can people connect with you the best way possible? I, I mean, I think I, 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 I am on the Twitters and I am on Instagram so, um, they can reach me there, uh, or email actually. Yeah. So are you okay with us then uh, providing your email address to anybody that reaches out and asks for it? Sure. That's fine. Excellent. It, I promise it's not going to be hordes and hordes and tons and tons of people. I'm sure but it won't. Because <laughs> most of them are saying, oh, my God, I, I'm, there's no way I'm going to bother her. I don't, could never ask. I'm too scared. But there are a few that are courageous enough sure. um, th that may reach out. So I want to make sure that it's OK to do so. Yeah, that's OK. Excellent. Uh, so on that note, I want to thank you again so much for being here. This has been a tremendous pleasure, and I cannot wait to, to share this interview and this conversation with the world. Great. Thank you, Zach. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.